God. The title of my sermon is a phrase that I often use. Many of you have heard me use it many, many times. Colossians chapter 3 will be our springboard verse. Verses 5 through 10. The best fall, but the best get up. You pick one of the best services to come to church. I don't want to have a show of hands to see how many people have fallen. Because those that wouldn't raise their hand would be fallen. Because you'd be lying. The best fall, I've seen it throughout the years. But the best, what do they do? They get up. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 5. Put to death. And this is going to be like an overview, just this this scripture here, of what we're going to be covering. But we're going to be looking at a lot of other verses dealing with Temptation. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, sexual immorality, evil desires, and greed, which is what? Idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Remember that? Just remember and then get back. I've said it before, the past is a good place to visit, but don't sit there. Just visit. Get there and come right back. Don't stay too long. That's why sometimes I've, I've had trouble with some Christian psychiatrists that have dealt with some of the people. And, and I've had to call them up myself and tell them, listen, buddy, you know, maybe you know more about psychiatry than me, but I'm their, I'm their shepherd. And I've had people that they went, well, I needed help. And they've gone to Christian psychiatrists. And there was, they keep them in the past. Tell me about your past. And I figured out, man, the past is a good place to visit, but don't live there no more. Right. Uh, I mean, God has promised us a great future. Right. Uh, I've read the end of the Bible, and we win. Hallelujah. Let's go on. You used to walk in these ways in life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed. Uh, that's why you can give out love, being renewed. You get more love in knowledge in the image of its creator. Father, I pray that you would exalt yourself here, Lord God, and we would take to heart, Jesus, these scriptures in Colossians and the scriptures we're about to embark on and dissect and expose it. We ask it in your name. Everybody together said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The best fall, but the best get up. I've seen it time and again. But what I mean, and if you've ever been with me before, I try to explain to you, people that are around me what I mean when I say the best fall, but the best get up. 
When somebody that's made out of the best caliber, fiber, spiritual fiber, spiritual caliber, when they fall, you can rest assured sooner or later, hopefully it's sooner, but sometimes it's even later, they get up. If they're made out of the best material, they're going to get up. But those that weren't made out of the best material, they gave in to the lies of the enemy. They stayed down. They won't get up and they're probably going to end up where nobody wants to go. Uh, hell. Hell. Because they failed to get up. They weren't made out of the best material. That's why it's important that you're made out of the best material. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. You got to come to church. Uh, become the best. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Deceitfully evil and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Uh, that's the heart. See, sexual immorality, lust, fleshy temptations, uh, these things have left a virtual highway of fallen victims. A highway strewn with people that have fallen to sexual immorality and lust and fleshy temptations. And that freeway not only includes new converts in Christianity, but pastors and clergy as well, whose heart and heads had been filled with seminary training. Are you with me? I mean, not only new converts fall by the wayside through sexual immorality and all these things, but also pastors and ministers. I've seen it happen time and again. Uh, ministers who went to seminary, who had their, the word of God in their head and, and tried it in their heart, but they have fallen. Pray to this highway. Why? Why? Why does this happen? Why would a, you know, a, a, a seasoned minister of the gospel jeopardize his family and his future and a new convert his new life? Why would they jeopardize this? Why would they fall prey to this? Well, I believe I can tell us why. Uh, and the reason is because when they were eyeball to eyeball, face to face, uh, in that certain struggle with temptation, they then failed to heed the biblical mandate uh, and that strong voice, that strong warning that was given to them to run. Run. Flee. Uh, run for your life. They failed to do so. Should such a man as I run? The answer is yes. At certain times. For certain things, no. But for certain things, the Bible instructs us, yes. Should such a man as I run? When it comes to some heavy temptations, hey, uh, stage left, run. That's the instruction the Bible gives us. Uh, should such a man as I run? Well, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Stephen, Maya, and my Omaya, yes. Yes, my Omaya, take off. Uh, at certain times, and especially during times of temptation, we should. See, the men that I'm talking about that fell on the highway, they didn't run. They should have run as fast as they could. They should not have stood there another moment, not one more. They should have taken off. <clears throat> Today I'm going to look at four things that the Bible talks about that we should run from when they confront us, that we should flee from. Number one, we're going to look at four, is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verse 18. Do you have it? Flee from sexual immorality. Paul is telling us here to be on guard regarding sexual immorality. And if it comes your way, run for the borders. And you've heard my sermon. I preached it in Pastor Magnus the other day. I preached it to the youth here the other day a little bit about making a run for the border. I'm not talking about Taco Bell. All right? But we need to have borders in our life. We taught that the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews that Esau, Jacob's brother, was a profane man. And the word profane in the Greek means easily tread upon, easily trespassed. Uh, no borders. Esau had no borders. He'd go for any lie. All they want is your money. They'd get you just like that. Wouldn't even fight back. He had no borders. Uh, the minute a pretty girl would smile at him, oh, she wants me. Uh, and vice versa. He had no borders. That's why I mentioned on Tuesday about a sermon that I had many years ago for a for girls that said, as for me and my blouse, we're going to serve the Lord. Right, young ladies? And older ladies too. Hallelujah. Uh, no one's immune. We're going to cover that at the end of the sermon. Nobody's immune. Uh, as for me and my blouse, get your hands off. Get your tiger paws off of this stuff. Uh, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, sometimes you got to run. Uh, make a run for the border. We need to have borders in our lives. We can't be easily tread upon. What have I said before? There's no worse label for a young lady to have than to say that she's easy, buddy. Uh, she's, I, I want to go with her because she's easy. Uh, no, no, no. We have to have borders. Run for those things. Paul is telling us to be on guard regarding sexual immorality. Uh, and if it comes your way, get away from it. Ephesians 5.3 says, there should not be even a hint. Uh, that's what it says, Ephesians 5.3 and 5.4. There should not even be a, sec a, a hint of sexual immorality in any one of our lives. Not even dirty jokes, verse 4 says. Not even dirty jokes. Uh, that's why you got to be careful at work. Oh, my virgin ears. Oh, here comes the, the preacher man. Ah, uh, hey man, if they're going to tell dirty jokes at, at, at work or wherever you're at, start quoting scripture. Ah, uh, okay, let's, let's go toe to toe. Ah, uh, that's what it says. Don't even, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality mentioned amongst us. And then also, not even cussing. Uh, not even dirty jokes. The Bible says that Joseph, when he was confronted with Potiphar's wife, what did he do? He ran. Stage left. Get out of there. See, the devil don't play. He knows how to trap people. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He don't fool around. But he's looking for fools. Especially, especially individuals, my friend, uh, with virgin ears and virgin eyes. Are there such people? Well, we try to be Christians. Yeah. See, once he gets you to look 
He knows your mind can pretty much do the rest. Uh, especially those of you that have, and when I'm talking about virgin ears, virgin eyes, are the people that are born again Christians, or some of you that have never, you've never partaken, let's put it that way, of the sexual stuff. Uh, let's put it that way too. I'm, I know everybody's awake right now. Uh, this is one, oh, this sermon, oh, there, oh yeah. Uh, but especially if you've never, you know, because if the devil can get you just to, especially when you're, when you're naive and, and, and green and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, the devil knows if he can get you to look at one pornography, one picture, something. And let me just tell you something about that internet. Wow, I don't know how to turn it on. That's not one of my temptations. Thank God. Uh, but there's other ones. There was stuff before internet. But see, a lot of parents, they say, well, you know, we're not letting strangers in our door. Yes, you are. They come in through the television. Uh, can they come in th through the internet? Uh, they're coming in through your front door, messing with that stuff. Uh, I mean, sheesh. There was one guy, man, he was really, really terrible in that stuff. Terrible. And he belonged to this church, used to belong to this church. Doesn't and never will again. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Because he was good with a computer. Ah, he's history now. We got to be careful with that stuff. Ah, and but what I mean by nine, in other words, if, if he can get you to, to just to check out one picture, the mind can pretty much take care of itself. Do the rest. He'll bait you, but once you bite the bait, then he's got you hooked, trapped. What began as an innocent, naive look can end with the loss of nearly everything. That's near and dear to you and I. Uh, how many times did this happen? It began just with a naive little look. But see, you had virgin. You never, ooh, is that what it's all about? <gasps> wow. Well, says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are honest, of good report, think on these, not on that. But once you start delving on that, you start like, hmm, wow. Uh, and... and He's pretty much baited you, you've bit it, and pretty soon he'll get you hooked. I like the way Tim the Tool Man, what's his last name? Taylor? Ah, oh, TTT. My wife's favorite. Uh, and we were watching it the other night, some special that he had on. Uh, and I like, here's what I did here. I'm going to, I wrote something here. I wrote a little bit of what Tim Taylor had to say. But then I didn't go that far because it was pretty bad. So I wrote what Tim Taylor and Steve Pineda had to say. I, I merged them together. Tim the, Tim the tool man, Pineda. I like what he said and I said together, merged. He said this. He was trying to describe sex to his son. And he says this. My son, my son. Sex is like a car. You keep it in the garage for a long, 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 long time. My wife's getting scared right now because she heard the rest. But don't worry, I interjected. And when you finally do open the garage and let it out, You drive it down Main Street, 
Henry with his Ford and Mercedes with her Benz. And they come before Judge Bentley, who finally says, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Oh, you didn't like that. In other words, Main Street is when you walk down the aisle with your honey, hombre, ah, and Judge Bentley is me. Okay. That's when you finally can start your engines. But until then, you keep it in your garage for a long, 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 long time. Ah, and when you finally open the door, it's, you know, it's wedding time. Ah. All right, let's go on. I thought that was pretty good. Tim the tool man. Aye, aye, aye. The second admonition where the Bible instructs us to run or flee is also in 1 Corinthians. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Nope, no, it's not. Maybe it's 2 Corinthians. I think that's where it is. Nope. 14, 10, 14, 10, 14. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from where? Idolatry. Look at verse 11. Look at this start up in verse 11. Do you have it? 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 11. These things happen to them as examples. And what we're written down as warnings, warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to all men. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape that you can stand under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. See, well, the Bible instructs us to run from idolatry. Idolatry. Many of us think we're strong enough to face up to these things alone and under our own power. Uh, we don't need to run from, from such things. We think we've got what it takes to, you know, that we can, we can change the rules. No, we can't. You cannot change the rules of Christianity and the word of God. Ah, uh, we need to stop and think what the word flee means. Why is the word flee mentioned there and in other places? Why did Paul say that to run from idolatry, to run from sexual immorality? Now the word flee is there to warn us that we're not that strong and that there's something quite stronger that's chasing us. So run. Don't be a sitting duck. Because not even the ducks in Anaheim are that mighty. Really? See, flee means that there's some kind of danger lurking that are stronger than you and I are. Understand what it means. That's what he, he says there's something stronger than you. You're not that powerful on your own. Flesh and blood. Uh, you got to run from that stuff. And where do you run? To run on your knees? It, it worked for me, and it still works for me every time. I remember when I was in the men's home. I was only there two and a half years. What a bummer. I was in the men's home two and a half years, guys. 
Uh, but I remember, I mean, I come from the streets, I thought all that madness, and, and the enemy would try and come. And, and by the way, the devil comes to church too. He makes every service. He's faithful. And he'll try and lie to you. Uh, but man, when I'd be there, I, I'd get on my knees. I'd run. It was God help. And God always comes through. He always comes through. Uh, but Paul is saying here that there's something chasing you that's more stronger than you are. So run. Get away from all that stuff. Ah. See, people back in Paul's days, they were very much like people are today. They thought they were strong enough to handle temptation of idolatry. And what is idolatry? Idolatry is anything that takes the place of God. What is idolatry? Anything that will take God's place. Because see, my friend, when we first got saved, the reason we got saved was because we figured out God was not number one in our lives, but now we wanted him to be. Didn't we get saved because of that? We found out, we sat here and we heard a sermon, and maybe like some of you are going to hear this morning, you say, you know what, God's not number one. God's not number one. That's not right. Man, that's, my problem is not drugs. My problem is not alcohol. My problem is not sexual. This. It's not these vices. My problem is God's not number one. God be number one in our lives. That's how we got saved. And it became number one. But then all of a sudden, once the party's over, once the honeymoon's over, you've kissed God enough. Uh, once you've told them that, you know, all, the, all of a sudden we start, things start taking the place of God. Once the honeymoon is over, soon other things come to court us. I like that word court. They court you. Because you've got to make some dreary decisions. Uh, see, things that the enemy will use to replace God on the throne of our lives. And the main idolatry the enemy uses is self. Self. Pretty soon, we're back on the throne again ourselves. Or fame. American Idol. Uh, everybody went, oh, I, I could sing better than him. Uh, all of a sudden, we start doing all that stuff. And I don't even know about that new guy that won, the, the, the big black brother. He's, he's got a good voice, and, but he's a Christian. He loves the Lord. We need to pray for him. Because the enemy's going to try and come in with all that fame and all that stuff and, and you know, try and replace God. It's number one in our lives. Music, your job, hobbies, even your family. Uh, and, and the enemy's slick. Well, you got to stay home because of your family. Oh, your family. That's what the Bible tells us. Uh, that we cannot love father and mother more than him. Uh, if, if a man does not hate his mother and father, he cannot be my disciple. That sounds terrible. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't mean hate. It means you've got to love God more than all these other stuff. God has to be number one. He has to have priority in our lives. Uh, that's why you've got to run from idolatry. Uh, get up. Come to church. Prove to God that you love him. Prove it to yourself, as a matter of fact, as well. But a lot of these things can, can take the place of God. No, my friend. Flee idolatry. You're in danger, Will Robinson. Run. Run to church. Get on your knees. Crack open the word. Who are you accountable to, Will Robinson? Danger, danger. Uh, 
And let me just mention, accountability is so important. I'm going to cover it a little bit later on, but I want to bring that out now and put it in your heart. Accountability, you have to have people that you're accountable to. Ah. Then the third admonition to flee is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. First Timothy six. Verse nine. Do you have it? People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this. And what is this? He goes on to mention all these different things. Uh, It's materialism. Flee from materialism. It's important, my friend, to run from these things because... The hold of materialism can make people think that they're better and better off than other people because they have more. All of a sudden we have classes and, 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 and strata in society and a caste system because we have more. Mm. Paul tells his young son of the faith, Timothy, run son, flee these things. Don't get all tied up materially for pretty soon. Ah, uh, the first checks that you make out are to Sears and to Macy's and to Visa. Whatever happened to your ties to God? Uh, you know, lots of people liked it when California got in the lottery. Ooh, the lottery. Pastor, if I play it, what, if I win, I'll, I'll, I'll give a lot of money to the church. Uh, they voted in the lottery in California years ago. A lot of people liked it because now you could help the schools. What a guys. You know, the, you know that our schools have never been in a worse situation? Are we going to snap to that? The Hayward Unified School District is, is on the brink of, you know, you know, going bankrupt and all that stuff. I was just reading the paper. They're all messed up. Ah. Oh, but they're playing the lottery because we're going to help the kids. Ay, ay, ay. Ah. I wonder why they're in trouble. And we're not going to figure it out. People are not, politicians are going to figure it out. It's probably up to us men of God to go and tell them. Uh, can you bite in this lottery stuff? Uh, well, we can't stop it. Yes, you can. The way you start it is the way you stop it. Get rid of it. Uh, I wonder how many believers have been drawn to the, the luck of the lottery. Uh, oh, pastor, I, you know, I'll, I'll, you know. See, materialism as well is dangerous. Materialism destroys it can destroy our character, our Christianity, and our call. Listen to me. Very serious. It can destroy your character. Who once you started off right, you wanted the best for God, but all of a sudden idolatry, materialism has come in. It gets rid of your character. It, 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 it tears it down little by little. Your Christianity, your call. All because you wanted to keep up with the Joneses, the Argonzones, the Pinatas. No. That's the reason Paul tells his young Timothy, flee. Run from materialism. Run from things. See, it's not just about sexual temptation. 
and the idols that we build bigger than God, but materialism can be, can be a lot tougher than all, of, than all of us. It's a tough, tough cookie, materialism. Then there's one more. Well, this one went to close. 2 Timothy 2.22. I call it the two-two-two-two principle. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22. Do you have it, 2 Timothy chapter 2? Flee the evil desires of youth. Stage left. Flee evil desires. That's our fourth one. Uh, look at verse 26. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. He will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, and in Colossians, we, we talked about what happens with these evil desires. See, there's more evil desires than just sexual temptation. But there's bitterness. There's rage. There's anger. There's malice. There's fault-finding, jealousies. These as well are very dangerous. They're dangerous in our lives. It's not just, you know, sexual desires that are dangerous, but, but all these different desires. Uh, jealousies. Where we started off right and all of a sudden something happened. It crept in. Uh, they're dangerous because they too can get into our hearts and, and choke out all that is good within us. See, my friend, if we don't run from this monster of evil desires, then what it often does is it turns good desires into evil desires. That's what it does. How often I've seen someone get saved, good and saved, good, they you know, they love their new life. They then desire, desire, desire good things, including ministry. But, but then they allow those desires to turn evil due to jealousies and immature competition. And pretty soon, uh, it's not pretty no more. Pretty soon, it's not pretty no more. Pretty soon, has turned into ugly soon. And soon, nobody can recognize you, not even your own family, because you're not pretty soon no more, you're ugly soon. You're Chinese. Uh, you're not Bruce Lee, you're ugly. Ah, uh, that's Bruce Lee's brother, ugly. Not pretty. Nobody can recognize you now. As a matter of fact, ah, uh, Ugly soon, you can't even recognize who's your family as well. Your family can't recognize you, and you can't recognize your family. Because you can't even spot the people who really love you. I've seen it happen so many times because of jealousies. You, people get saved, they desire great stuff, all of a sudden they, they see a future for them, they see a hope. Man, you know what, I, I, I like this Christianity stuff, I, I can graduate like this, I can do this, I can become that. Yeah, I, I like it. But then all of a sudden, these Good desires become evil desires out of jealousy. Who does he think he is? How come he gets to go to Tracy? Not me. 
How come Keith's going to go to Hawaii? Huh, Hawaii? I don't think so. Huh? We get all this, you know, what's Chucky doing in, over there? It should have been me. Oh, man. Uh, why is he getting all that publicity? Wow. See, all of good desires become ugly and evil desires. Uh, nobody can spot you, and you can't even spot your own family. Because those that love you are trying to point things out to you, but you can't understand them. Thus, my friend, you're blowing up even those dearest and closest friends and family to you. Flee evil desires. Listen to the ones who love you. In a multitude of counselors, the Bible says there's wisdom. Who are the ones that love you? The ones that love you are the ones that are willing to stab you in the front. My wife has always taught that. Friends stab you in the front. They tell it like it is in love. Speaking the truth in love. But a lot of guys, we don't like to hear it. We, we, we don't like to hear it. I've sent guys out. You know, and they were doing well. Because they had great desires. And all of a sudden, they don't even know it. They're out there because they don't keep in contact. They don't stay accountable to Pastor Steve. Now all of a sudden, those desires turn evil desires. They're ugly desires now, but they, don't, they think they're okay. But see, when they're not in contact with me, I'm going to tell them straight out later. You know, I'm going to tell them in love. Ah, All right, Pastor Steve, I'll counsel with you, but I don't want Josie there. Ah. She just went to the nail place. <laughs> hey, and you know my wife. You guys got a great spiritual mother. You really, really do. You guys got mad. But some people, they don't understand this. You know why they don't stay in contact with me or, or else they don't? Because they want to do their thing. They want to get away with it. They, 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 don't want to, they, they just want to do it. Do their stuff. And do, you know, they hate when Pastor Steve comes or Sister Josie comes or Pastor Sonny comes because we're going to see them. We're going to point out what's wrong and they don't want that. They want us to come. Oh, man, he's on the plane. Thank God. He didn't tell me nothing. And you're going to stay same old lame old. Uh, no. Friends stab you in the front. You know what? You got to be careful with that person. Wait, brother. He stay in the garage. Keep it in the garage, brother. Shine it up, polish it, but keep it in the garage. <laughs> Start the engine, all right, a little bit, put it down, turn it off, you know. Uh, be careful with that one, you know. Uh, oh. Hey, where's my son at? Uh, they pulled a burglary, they took the car last night. <laughs> Ran right through the garage door, pow, and out there. Didn't even come home. Uh, Saturday night, and I just got paid. Ay, ay, ay. Uh. You know who the people that love you? It's the people that is going to hurt them more to tell you the truth than it hurts you. Those are the ones that love you. And a multitude of counselors is with you. You need counselors. You need people that you're going to stay accountable to. Accountability is number one in my teachings when people are going to go out in pioneering class. It's number one. Stay accountable. 
But we start off, like I said, when we first go out, guys that go out, oh yeah, I'll stay accountable. They call me. And actually, they call me. They write. They email. After about eight months, nine months, you know, they start, the enemy's slick. They fall into a trap. Start tricking them. I'm like, oh, you don't got a cop house. He didn't even tell you nothing anyway. He just said, hi, fine, how's it going? Bye. Thought he said. But it's okay. If I had something to say, I would have been able to do it. You had that lifeline there if we, if we could have used it, if we wanted to, if we needed to. Many times we don't do that. That's why even in the home, hey, you know, stay accountable uh, to people that are above you. Flee evil desires. Run from those things. But the ones that are, that are going to get hurt telling you are the ones that really love you. They, they hurt, you know, brothers, I, I know this is hard, but I, I got to tell you. I'm going to tell you in love. And it's going to hurt them more than it's going to hurt you to tell you the truth. Those are the people that you need uh, to stay accountable. I don't have it here, but I remember years ago I used to tell this story, but it's a, it's a truth about accountability. But a guy that was an older individual, maybe about 47. I was pretty young. Huh? Yes. Say yes. yes. Well, he was about 40. And then his boss was like about, you know, 33. Jesus' age. And his boss started taking a liking to the guy. And he says, you know what? I'm going to be going on a vacation. Can I like to take you and your family with me? Uh, and, and we're going to play golf for three days. I'd like for you to come with me to the vacation and go play golf with us. All three days are going to be nice. The kids can swim and all that stuff. You know, we're out playing golf. And the guy, the older gentleman says, you know what, man, that sounds great. I, I, I want to do it. I think I'm going to do it. But you know what? First, let me check with my pastor. And the boss says, well, who? My pastor. <laughs> Your pastor, I thought you were bigger than that. I thought you were smarter and stronger than that. Your pastor? Man, what do you mean your pastor? Man, I'm your boss. I mean, come on, I'm paying for it. You got you to gotta check with somebody? Chico y Oton? So my mother used to say, I don't know how to translate that in English. In other words, man, you're a big guy with a big old mustache. You got to check with your pastor. Shish. And then the boss says, you know what? I pity you. You got to check with your pastor. And the man says, no, 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 no. I pity you. Who watches over your soul? I know who watches over mine. Uh, we need accountability. Okay. As we close, where's the help? Where's the answer? James 4, 7 and 8. Here's the answer. James 4, 7 and 8. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's a big, big key verse. Submit yourselves to God. Surrender to God. Resist the devil. Uh, how, how do you resist the devil? By cultivating great relationships with your wife. Then you don't have to deal with, you know, all this sexual. Cultivate a good relationship with your wife. Ah. Uh, with your husband, with your children, with your family, with your spiritual family, with your pastors, with your leaders. Build strong hedges of protection around you through cultivating relationships, accountability. Stay accountable. 
Uh, get as many people that you can be accountable to as possible. You should have all kinds of staffs in your front. This one was from brother. This one, this one, this was my minister. This one, this one. Uh, and the one back here was Pastor Steve because he was chasing me. Uh, he got me. Ay, ay, ay. Then James says, because you flee, he'll flee. Oh, the sermon, the flea flicker play. Hallelujah. Ah. Flee, run from the stuff. Don't stand there and be a sitting duck. I can handle No, you can't handle it. You're not that strong. You're not that tough. Sometimes, I think I've told you before, I, years ago I used to live with my cousins, and we had a dog named Husky. I always remember that. Every now and then I'll talk about Husky. Uh, but that's, uh, I'm going to tell you another story about Husky. We also, my aunt, my uncle was bad. He was the oldest of the 14 Vasquezes, and he had Husky in her train. Ah, you know how guys can be. But then Stella, my aunt, got a little bitty chihuahua. You know how girls can be. And somehow the little chihuahua guy, he figured out how big his big brother was. And he used to do this all the time. And me and my cousin used to trip. And you know probably know the end of the story what I'm going to say. Because he'd hang out right by the fence right there on 12th Street. And he'd wait for the big dogs to come in. And when they'd come after him, he'd run. And guess to where? Behind Husky. He'd flee. He'd, you know, he'd probably say, Christians might be stupid. I ain't stupid. I'm going to run. Run to the rock that is higher than I. Uh, I'm going to flee, man. Uh, uh, uh. Gotta run. Then he'll run. The devil will run from you, the Bible says. Have you ever seen the results of some individual or individuals who didn't have the guts to run from all these things that Paul mentions? Sexual temptation, idolatry, materialism, and evil desires? You ever seen the results? Chuck Swindoll said that he was keeping tabs of prevalent pastors that had fallen. He said he lost count. He stopped at 42. 40, and we're not just talking, these things happen all the time. Ministers. He says he, he, after 42 prevalent pastors, he said, forget about it. But look what he writes. I'm going to take my time on this one. Listen up. Uh, look what he says. Once he talked about the 42 pastors that had fallen, he, he writes this. Listen up carefully. He says, lust is no respecter of persons. It is a luring voice that can infiltrate the most intelligent mind and cause its victims to believe in lies and to respond to its appeal. And beware, it never gives up and it never runs out of ideas. If you bolt the front door, it'll rattle your bedroom windows. You're only safe when you draw upon the Savior's love. Try to handle it yourself and you lose every time. Lust is an ancient enemy that will come in your front door with its six guns blazing. So run, flee, 
don't give it a foothold, not even a toehold. The best fall, but the best get up. In Psalms 51, you don't got to turn to it. In Psalms 51, it's written by King David who had fallen. Fallen. And he says, my sin is ever before me. My bones have been crushed. I'm going through some terrible times. Maybe some of you here today. There's a reason why God gave me this sermon. Some of you might be trying to hide it, trying to say, oh, I'm okay. Wow. That means you're not okay. You're not okay. God is here to help us. David says, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Wash me. Wash my sins as hasten. Let there be white as snow. Then he says this. To me, I think it's the most important part of Psalms 51. Then he says, and he was a Christian. He'd sinned. He'd fallen. He says, but oh, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, beautiful words. Really beautiful. Because he was still saved. God still was inside of him, even when he had fallen. He still had hope. He still recognized and realized God is still there. But God, if you take your Holy Spirit from me, I don't know what will happen. I don't need that. I don't want that. I know that I've sinned. And against you and you alone have I sinned. I know that. I acknowledge my sin. I'm sorry. But don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There's still life in here. I'm still standing. I'm still kicking. Fan again to flames. I'm sorry. The best fall. And if you've fallen, will you get up? What are you running from here today? Because there's things, according to Scripture, you need to run from. You and I need to run from. We need to run from things. Don't think we're all big and bad and all that. A bag of chips. No. No. We need to run. It's the only way we can make it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.